It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 28 of Labour's Antisemitism Problem with guest Marlon Solomon. I'm Richard Angel, Director of Progress, and I'm joined by Editorial Assistant Henna Shah, Progress Volunteer and Cambridge University student Joe Farmworth to discuss some of the issues raised. It was great to have Marlon on the Marlon Solomon on the podcast this week. I thought it was fascinating and horrifying. It's easy to dismiss anti-Semitism as isolated instances of hatred or annoyance at the policies of Israel getting heated up and accidentally spinning over into anti-Semitism. But when you realise there is a deep ideological footing and powerful groups and, and interests rooting their anti-Semitism in the protocols of the learned Elder Zion, that vile text created in and published in Russia in 1903, published then in English in 1919, and in 1921, shown by the Times of London to be the racist slur that it is. It should be enough to wake you up from your stupor. When Ken Livingstone went on his rant about Hitler being a Zionist, not only was that offensive, but the caveat that he said of, before he went mad, sent me into a rage. Mein Kampf, the racist polemic written by Hitler while he served nine months in jail for a failed coup, drew heavily on the protocols. When people have nice things to say about Hamas, you can see why others don't see them as freedom fighters when the Hamas charter quotes directly from the protocols. And why people get worked up when Labour people or those from the revolutionary left go on the Alan Ritchie show or quote David Icke's Rothschild Zionist diatribes because they're all linked back to the protocols. Worse, when these rear their ugly head, their betrayals of the vile anti-Semitic tropes have been internalised by many. And on the left, you see that as an unwillingness and unableness to see Jewish people as victims, as the underdog, as poor or oppressed, i.e. not real victims of racism. It's disgusting and needs rooting out. Joe, you've been helping in progress and been one of our volunteers. And yeah. I think it's been an interesting time for you because you've been seeing this debate on Anderson happen firsthand. Definitely. How do you come to it? So I'm sort of Jewish in the sense that like, I have Jewish heritage. My dad's parents were Jewish. So they go, sort of go to the synagogue. They're actually called religious. And so sort of speaking to them over the past few weeks and seeing how they've been just completely dismayed about sort of the the whole anti-Semitism bit in the Labour Party. They've been members of the Labour Party. They voted Labour all their lives and seeing sort of 
the toxic sort of spread of anti-Semitism has really sort of put them off. And my granddad actually said to me a few days ago that he is sort of considering not voting Labour for the first time in his life because of it. And that is sort of incredibly depressing to see. That's really hurtful and really sad. And it does bring it home that this is very real for people and they feel they're having to choose between, yeah. you know, a lifelong commitment to a political party and in many ways their identity. Henna, what did you make of the podcast? I thought it was incredibly interesting. I remember I went with you to see Marlon's excellent show, which I think everyone should definitely see. He's on at Progress Conference on the 5th of May. If you haven't got your tickets, you should. You definitely should. And I actually kind of want to find a way to get him to perform to people that I know and my parents. I think it's fascinating and really shows the depth of this awful conspiracy. And just, yeah, I just can't even, I don't even really have words. But I think what was really interesting is really interesting what your grandparents said Joe and I know Sadiq Khan said that he's been on the doorstep and speaking to Jewish voters who say Labour isn't for them can you imagine any minority group having that opinion I think it's shocking and really horrific and I remember that in the podcast you referenced Zach Goldsmith's campaign and I have this little story and I remember so my last name's Shah and we got one of the letters that he sent round to all the families who he thought were not Muslim, saying Sadiq Khan's going to take your gold. And I remember being horrified and thinking how vile and racist it was. And we stood up against that. And actually, in the context of the debate we're seeing and the anti-Semitism we're seeing now, that's nothing. Like, I would never vote Tory anyway, but I know people who would have voted Tory and for whom that completely undermined everything that they were planning to do in terms of their politics. And to see Labour be quiet when this kind of level of abuse is being put towards our Jewish neighbours and Jewish friends and Jewish people is just horrific. And it is that sense of indifference, isn't it? That there's a kind of, this has been going on and you just get more victim blaming than you do anti-Semitism shaming. And that's what's really upsetting about the whole thing how did you find the podcast joe yeah i thought it was really interesting especially when he's talking about how he came to sort of do the um do the play in the first place sort of how it connected to his jewish identity almost and sort of seeing because obviously jews in britain have um, got such a huge history within the labor party sort of polls eye on now they're called the jewish labor now, movement jewish and labor affiliated movement. to the labor party in 1920 it's so interesting that jewish labor members are sort of the backbone of sort of the history of the labor party and seeing them getting turned off at the moment because of the sort of anti-Semitism that's spread over the past few, well, it's been happening for ages, but over the past few weeks, it's been sort of brought into the forefront again. It's sort of just, they have to choose between their identities and that's just sort of disgusting. It is, isn't it? A really lovely Jewish member that I know for a long time called Jay Stoll wrote a piece this week about Holocaust denial and the fact he traced back his family. And at the end of it, he had a really harrowing sentence and he said the world jewish population now sits at 14.5 million people that is still 2 million short of the 16.6 million it was in 1939 and that just really brings home how horrific the holocaust is and how still the world is the victim of the holocaust like we're still net 2 million jews down We've lost their children and grandchildren in many sense. The family they never got 
to have, the contribution they never got to have, whether that be to the Labour Party, other parties, Parliament, civic life, science, academia. You know, this is... And for those to deny that, and then for those people to seek to be Labour councillors, who part of their budget will have Holocaust Memorial Day and the like, is just ridiculous. And then to see that go silenced is really worrying. I think the thing about the podcast that was particularly strong this week was it co coincided with Parliament debating anti-Semitism. It'd be silly to suggest or deny that there was any mischief making from the Tories. It's what they do. Um, it's what we do to them. We don't get to do our politics in a vacuum. We can't just say this is in the Labour Party, therefore nobody else can have a view on it or discuss it. But it's also exactly what we do to them when the Windrush scandal targets exclusively Britain's black population, when Zach Goldsmith's vile campaign goes against Sadiq Khan as a Muslim, and when the decades of the Tories singling out LGBT people was what something we punished and ensured the voters punished uh, in the ballot box. But this doesn't mean there aren't real issues in Labour about anti-Semitism. And I think Marlon demonstrated that so well, but so did the people who spoke in that debate. First-hand accounts were utterly compelling. We're going to hear from some of those now. Ruth Smith, the member for Stoke-on-Trent North, she stood up. Her mum's a trade unionist. She's been in the Labour Party pretty much her whole life. She's worked for Hope Not Hate and led the Jewish community's anti-BMP campaigning. She spoke about the anti-Semitism she's received, and we're going to hear it now. But over the last two years, I've experienced something genuinely painful, attacks on my identity from within my own Labour family. I've been the target of a campaign of abuse, attempted bullying and intimidation from people who would dare to tell me that people like me have no place in the party I have been a member of for over 20 years, and one that I'm proud to represent on these benches. She went on to read some of these appalling examples. Hang yourself, you vile, treacherous Zionist Tory filth. You are a cancer of humanity. Ruth Smead is a Zionist. She has no shame and trades on the murder of Jews by Hitler, who the Zionists betrayed. Ruth Smead must surely be travelling first class to Tel Aviv with all that slush. After all, she's complicit in trying to bring Corbyn down. First job for Jeremy Corbyn tomorrow. Expel the Zionist bicom smear hag bitch Ruth Smead from the party. This Ruth Smead is Britannophobic. We need to cleanse our nation of these types. Hashtag JC for PM. Deselect Ruth Smeave, ASAP, poke the pig, get all the Zionist child skiller scum out of Labour. You are a spy. You are evil, satanic, leave. Hashtag Labour, hashtag Corwin. Ruth, you are a Zionist plant. I'm ashamed you are in Labour, better suited to the murderous Knesset. Hashtag I support Ken. Your fellow traitor Tony Blair abolished hanging for treason. Your kind need to leave before we bring it back. Hashtag Smeave is filth. Margaret Hodge, the MP for Barking, the uh, former chair of the very powerful uh, Public Accounts Committee, spoke with real authority and from the heart about her family that had perished in the Holocaust. And she brought the issue back to Jewish people's experiences of the Labour movement. I have never felt as nervous and frightened as I feel today at being a Jew. It feels that my party has given permission for anti-Semitism to go unchallenged. Anti-Semitism anti is making me an outsider in my Labour Party. To that, I simply say, enough is enough. Yeah. I think this particularly stood out because Margaret Hodge is such a 
strong, ferocious and strong opponent um, of racism and of anyone who basically gets in her way in British politics. The accounting companies who appeared before her select committee were shaking in their boots for her to feel nervous and frightened, I think is something that should, should be something we all reflect on, really. Luciana Berger, who has received, you know, arguably the most and the most direct um, anti-Semitism. Three people have been imprisoned after the attacks she's had on them and another person I think is currently going through the courts. But she said about her own party. Madam Deputy Speaker, I make no apology for holding my own party to a higher standard. Anti-racism is one of our central values and there was a time not long ago when the left actively confronted anti-Semitism. The work that the previous Labour government did to move the equality goalpost in this country was one of the reasons why I joined the Labour Party. One anti-Semitic member of the Labour Party is one member too many. Luciana is right to hold Labour to higher standards. We call ourselves the party of equality. We say we are the anti-racist, but at the moment our actions aren't meeting our words. I was personally disappointed by Andrew Gwynn opening the debate. He spoke passionately and had great words. He's a former chair of Labour Friends of Israel. But he announced no actions about what Labour would actually do. Diane Abbott was dismissive, I think, me and very many others felt, in her response at the end of the debate. She committed to doing some things, and that was welcome. But one was to introduce a programme of education, quite, quote, quite possibly delivered by organisations such as the Labour Jewish Movement, end quote. Well, Labour has training on combating anti-Semitism. It is already run by the Labour Jewish Movement. They go to most, if not all, regional conferences. People are welcome to attend. But the only people who won't attend training on anti-Semitism in the Labour Party are the NEC and the Shadow Cabinet. And considering the NEC is made up of people from the Shadow Cabinet and to collectively the NEC oversees our disciplinary procedures and have failed on so many occasions, it's appalling they refuse to attend. It's welcome that she announced more resources for our disciplinary processes. But people are hardly going to take solace in that when Jenny Formby's first decision is to get rid of John Soliday, Head of Compliance, on her first day in office. That's not going to deal with the backlog of complaints that have happened. Diane Abbott quoted Rabbi Gluck. He said, minorities, especially the Jewish community, are the weather vane of discontent in society. That is so true, and it's right that she identified that. But why, oh why, will the front bench not recognise that this is the case in the Labour Party. The Jews are the canary in the mine and they are being targeted and victimised in our own party. And for too many, the leadership's response, which should be swift and forthright, is lacklustre and full of whataboutery. Henry, I know you watched the debate on Tuesday. What did you make of it? As I said, I think oh, I think anyone who saw or listened to any of the, the debate, it was just so powerful to hear in their own words from people like Ruth Smith some of the vile abuse that they've heard and actually one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot since the debate is about where we come from as Labour Party people and historically we are a coalition of people right we've got the Fabians the trade union movement we've always been about welcoming people who believe in progressive ideas and who believe in working people from across the spectrum, wherever they come from. And a big part of that is us understanding that we all have our own things, which mean that we face problems and struggles within society. And it's part of our job as members of the Labour Party to talk to each other and have 
that discussion to try and understand each other's struggles. So I know you and I have conversations regularly because I'm a straight person and I don't understand lots of the things that you talk about. But I like to have those conversations because it means I understand your point of view and equally you ask my opinion where you might not understand certain other things. And that's the basis of our movement, right? It's about broad understanding and a broad appreciation of each other's experiences. And what I thought was horrible was to hear from people like Luciana and Ruth and all the disgusting abuse they've received and just to see a lack of inaction or a lack of inaction, a lack of action and compassion really from the front bench. I think that's true. It, it didn't feel that there was, that they'd heard the same speeches the rest of us had. It was very bizarre, wasn't it? It really jarred in the chamber. The whole tone of it um, really jarred. And you felt there's no way that would be responsive if any other minority had stood up and made those kind of comments. No. And it's a lack of understanding and a lack of sharing of others' experience and a lack of being open to this broad feeling and, and fear that people in the Jewish community currently have and the alienation that they have. And I don't know what you think, Joe, as someone who is Jewish, but I just think it's shocking and awful and totally undermines all our values and the history of the Labour Party itself. Yeah, totally. And um, what was really heartening was seeing the solidarity on the backbenches of the Labour Party and the support that um, the Jewish MPs got from the backbenches. Again, it's about talking about identity and how these Labour MPs who've been abused have been members of the Labour Party for all of most of their life. And they're questioning like a vital part of their identity now is just fundamentally there's something broken about the Labour Party if we're having this conversation. And it's depressing that we had the debate. And um, yeah, I, I, I think we need firmer action on anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. I, you just get the sense that we wouldn't be waiting if it was any other group. There wouldn't be no. this confusion. And even where there've been really strong statements from whether it's John Landsman personally or Momentum generally, it still feels seems to fall short of the real action that might remedy this. And, and also the sense that there, I'm afraid, is a kind of causality to what is happening. And that f- what we're hearing from some of the people who are essentially the perpetrators of racism is the fact they're not being told, Oi, you shut up, you're not welcome, is kind of an implicit nudge, nudge, carry on. Mm. And it's really worrying. And when you see that sit align some of the other stuff online, that they basically want all of us out of the Labour Party for not daring to think that everything Jeremy Corbyn has said is wonderful, that those seem to, they seem to move between those two things seamlessly. And that seems to me really awful. Well, I think that's really important. I just want to say, if you're a person of colour, if you're a woman, if you're LGBT+, Plus, if you have any kind of minority status or you consider yourself an ally to any of those groups and you don't speak up about anti-Semitism, you're part of the problem because you're perpetuating racism. And for some reason, it seems like all these people on Twitter and all these JC4PM accounts don't see that and they don't see themselves as allies and they only see themselves as allies when it suits them. And actually, that's not what the Labour Party is about. And that's not what Corbyn says he's about. I think that's interesting. One of the things I felt about the podcast was I slightly felt that Marlon talked a little bit too much about Israel. And I was like, oh, God, this is a bit awkward. Like, we should try and keep it about the anti-Semitism stuff and not where it fills into anti-Zionism and where that line is. But that was one of the things about having a Jewish person on the podcast is 
they experience this, they see that and they see it very real. And, you know, we would like to sometimes keep this debate really clear and really crisp. But when 93% of British Jewry feel an affiliation with Israel, when Israel comes under attack, sometimes rightly because of its policies and sometimes nastily either singled out as a nation or unfairly for what it's either done or not done or what other nations would do in similar circumstances, you can see why that adds up to a culture in which Jewish people might not feel Mm. welcome in the Labour Party and able to reach their potential. And that's sometimes what being an ally is. It's not going to be linear or easy or, you know, sometimes, and and you see this, the people in Peterborough, these these two councillors and, and, and the others in the community that have stood up against Alan Bull and the people who've defended him, you know, they're the ones that get singled out for motions in the CLP to try and get them out of the Labour Party and appearing for their group colleagues. Like It is hard to call out racism. John Mann talked about the fact he'd taken on this committee and his wife has received a dead bird in the post and a rape threat having done that. His children have had those horrible experiences. Like It's not easy to be an ally and once you internalize that, it does actually make it easier. And then you have to take it on and decide whether you really are an ally or not. I remember I was coming back from Pride in the summer and in Brighton, and it was one of those ridiculous late night trains and everyone was a little bit gay and a little bit drunk. And the, um, and the woman on the train said something about, oh, that's so gay. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry, but like, you can't come back from Pride and say that. She's like, I can't be homophobic. I was on, I'm on a, I've just been at Pride all day. I was like, but yet you just said, oh, that's a bad thing. Ergo, it's gay. Like, that's like you're not an ally right now. Just because you had loads of fun in a, at a pride mark doesn't mean you're an ally. An ally means not, it, you know, root that stuff out of how you speak and how you talk. Anyway, we could go on forever. We had some really good feedback on Twitter. Do you want to go first, Helen? Uh, yeah, we had a comment from Marion Craig who really enjoyed the podcast and she said it was a brutally honest assessment of anti-Semitism and not to be missed, which I agree. The Falcon Morteza says, listen to this on the way to work. Very good on anti-Semitism in Labour. Regulators will remember Alison McGovern. Uh, she's a chair of progress and she's been on the podcast lots, but she's been missing for a couple of weeks because of recess and other commitments that she's had. But one of the things we love about this podcast and I think is making it successful is her utter commitment to it and her constant feedback that we get in the office that Richard speaks too fast and is often too boring is her main one. But, the, um, but this week she went to Twitter and said, thoughtful, important and funny. Marlon talking about anti-Semitism on the Progressive Britain podcast. Glad uh, he will be at Progress Annual Conference in May. So it was really nice of her to uh, to chip in, even though she's not been able to be on it. But she is on next week's show. So make sure you tune in for that. We also had great feedback on Facebook. Yeah, we had Anita Russ saying, well, I totally agree with her, saying that Marlon was right. Uh, and that it began very soon after Corbyn became leader. He could have nipped it in the bud. But no, I'm ashamed of my party at the moment. That's sad. And we got a iTunes uh, review. Yeah. And so Rotter101 said, I've been a big fan of this podcast for a while, but the episode on anti-Semitism in the party was excellent. Clear and concise. And Marlon really set out the issue in a way that cut through the BS. Recommended. Excellent. So a mug will be winging its way to Rotter101. Make sure you contact us on at Progress Online on Twitter or by emailing office at progressonline.org.uk with your address so we can make sure that goes in the post uh to you uh so thank you for everyone who participated in the debate hopefully um you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed uh making it finally imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This week, the Progressive Britain podcast had its political pub quiz of the week. Stephanie Lloyd asked... Who is Labour's longest-serving Home Secretary? And the answer is... James Tudor Eid. And who was he? He was Home Secretary 1945 to 1951. Every year of the Attlee government, which is really impressive. In terms of things he did, he was instrumental in pass- passing the 1944 Education Act. So he was a junior minister, wasn't he, in the Coalition Government of Education? Yes, he was. He, well, that was an incredible act, which obviously established grammar schools, which some people aren't so happy with, but also... Lots of people aren't so happy with. Lots of people aren't so happy with. Um, but it brought in the compulsory age from 14 to 15, I believe. Yes, and brought in school meals and milk, uh, which is incredibly important. Even now, I think uh, I saw a couple of days ago, there was a horrific article in The Guardian about children from low-income backgrounds filling their pockets with food at lunchtime because they don't have enough to eat at home. So clearly, this is the legacy of James Tutor Eid needs to be revived. Revived, exactly. It's, um, so it's great. So lots of people uh, got that right. Congratulations to... Riyadissa, John Patience, Jack Deacon, Chris McKeon, Joe Suffield, Harry Picken, and Lewis Wallisbin. So they all got that right. Now, that is too many uh, mugs to put in the post this week. So Joe is going to pick out two. We've got them all in, in a progress mug, um, wrapped up, and Joe's pulling out his, the two that will get a mug winging their way to them. Just imagine a drum roll. Drum roll. <laughs> uh, Lewis w- Wallerspoon and Ryder Acer. Wonderful. They'll all get progress mugs uh, in the post if they email their name and address to office at progressonline.org.uk and we'll make sure they get their mug. So thank you very much for listening for this week. I'm really glad that Joe and Henna was able to join me Please remember to leave your comments and questions, leave a review or rate the podcast and make sure you've subscribed on iTunes so you get the podcast straight to your phone. Reviewing and rating isn't just useful for us to get the feedback, but it's the best way to get this podcast to people who are not currently listening. Thank you very much.
You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.